Hi, this is James Rousseau, and I would like to welcome you to another episode of The CoreLink Solution, where we look to empower you through awareness and actionable insights. Whether you are just starting your business or operating a business that you want to take to the next level, you will need to understand how to deal with the changes taking place within the external environment. On this episode, I am pleased to welcome Professor Sunil Chopra from the Kellogg School of Management. Professor Chopra helps turn this into a 25-minute class diving into three topics. The first, what entrepreneurs should learn from Amazon in terms of opportunities in the market. Secondly, two business processes that entrepreneurs need to pay attention to heading into the future. And thirdly, how entrepreneurs can apply supply chain management thinking to their businesses, even if you're managing digital products. So sit back, buckle up, listen up as we link up with Professor Sunil Chopra. I'm pleased to be here with Professor Sunil Chopra. Professor, it's good to see you this morning. Good to see you, James. Sunil Chopra is the IBM Distinguished Professor of Operations Management. He was also Interim Dean of the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University from 2009 to 2010. From 2006 to 2009, he served as Associate Dean, Curriculum and Teaching. He became a faculty member of the school in 1989. Previously, he was an associate professor at the Stern School of Business Administration at New York University and has a Ph.D. in operations research from Sony Stony Brook. Professor Chopra's research and teaching interests are in operations management, logistics and distribution management, design of communication networks and design of distribution networks. He has co-authored the books Managing Business Process Flows and Supply Chain Management, Strategy, Planning and Operation. Both books are published by Princess Hall and are used as several of top business schools to teach operations management and supply chain management, respectively. Professor, thanks for being here this morning. It's a pleasure, James. Professor, let me ask this question. You know, as students come into the MBA program today, given all the changes going on in the environment, what are you seeing differently in terms of the needs that they're expressing? So I think one of the biggest changes that has occurred is the rate of change itself. If we were to go till the 1980s, I think there are models in place for business that were in existence for decades, if not centuries. Whereas if you look post-1990 on, we've had cycles that are already finished. Just to take an example, big box stores like Borders developed in the late 80s and were the models of the future in 1990, and now they are bankrupt. Whereas now, what's happening is you have to learn how to explain these changes in the past while trying to use the learning for what's going to happen in the future. So the example I will give is that of Amazon, Mm -hmm. which used its lack of brick and mortar mm-hmm. to really destroy a lot of big box stores. Over the last year, year and a half, its biggest acquisition has been a brick and mortar grocery store retailer, Whole Foods. Right. So I think this ability to work in a quick changing environment requires a certain level of flexibility in people. And what it requires more than anything else is that they have a framework of how things work that can explain both. Then it also requires their ability to work with people with very different perspectives because nobody can hold all opposing points of view in their head, but a collective of people can come up with a solution which can work best with different points of view. So I think these are the things that people 
are looking for as they come to the executive MBA program. And speaking of Amazon as an example, you know, when you when you look at them, uh, one of the things I think I took away from my Kellogg experience was when you go through different organizations and you come through a progressive uh, learning experience and you take on different roles, you learn people's way of doing those roles and you're taught how to do those roles. By getting the foundational learning in school, you learn the fundamental principles of the whys. And therefore, what you learn from someone was maybe the way they adopted of doing it, but you don't always get the why, right? Having the fundamental education helps you get the, if I understand why I'm doing it, I understand the options of doing it. Thus, maybe I create a different way of doing it. I found to be uh, instrumental. The second piece I want to touch on when you mentioned Amazon, for example, and that pivot from what seemed to be an all online business and more brick and mortar business is their continuing reach. The latest thing I've seen is this Amazon logistics piece. Absolutely. Where, um, and I don't fully get it yet, but it looks like it's going to be package delivery, which looks like a head to head competition with uh, UPS and FedEx to me. I don't know if you've seen this yet. Absolutely. If you think, if you just focus on Amazon's outbound shipping, mm-hmm. it is roughly 15% of UPS worldwide. So only Amazon packages traveling in the world, if they were to form a business of their own, would be about 15% of the size of UPS worldwide. Right. So especially in dense areas and cities, Amazon has enough scale that it does not need an intermediary. And I think this is really the, uh, if, if I think of it, this is a big opportunity in the future for all entrepreneurs. As the impact of scale changes with technology, the question is, can we set up businesses which we have enough scale for and can do much more efficiently than large platforms which we might have been going through in the past? Mm-hmm. And so Amazon has clearly realized that in terms of package delivery, it has enough scale in local areas, and especially with the acquisition of Whole Foods, from where grocery delivery is already going to people, adding on other packages could actually be fairly cost effective. Yes. Wow, that's interesting. You know, so so you know, this program and platform is about empowering um, people uh, through awareness and insights, and trying to give them folks nuggets. Both if you're you know folks standing in career, so personal leadership development and entrepreneurs. And when I think about your areas of specialty, uh, business processes and supply chain management, what are some of the things that you think from a business process perspective that might impact entrepreneurs? What things might be top of mind? So I think from a business process perspective, there are two things I will emphasize. I think first, going back to the Amazon example, we are entering an era where what you will see is people will develop these complementary capabilities and businesses need to be very careful about getting stuck in the middle. Just to use an example, uh, Blockbuster is where we went to rent movies, right? And what happened is Blockbuster got squeezed by two companies, both taking very different strategies, two startups. What did Netflix do? What it did is it said, I'm going to take the floor of Blockbuster, where the type of movies sitting there are the ones that uh, are not sort of rented all the time. They are somewhat older movies. But then what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a different distribution process, which is much more efficient at handling variety. Along came Redbox, which said the opposite. What I'm going to do is I'm only going to take the new release wall, 
of Blockbuster. I'm going to put the new release wall into a vending machine and I'm going to put these vending machines all over the place. So what you had is two entrepreneurial opportunities which were obtained by looking at a business and recognizing that this business was trying to do two different things using the same process. Mm -hmm. I think with the way technology has evolved, this opportunity exists everywhere. The second big opportunity that I see is uh, the availability of information technology in particular has really offered the opportunity for entrepreneurs to develop more peer-to-peer platforms. And these peer-to-peer platforms can, in fact, be localized to your passion, your area of interest. So if you look at both, say, Google, look at eBay, these were mass platforms that were set up to serve everybody. Today, there is an opportunity to create an eBay Yes, last night I was having dinner with a friend and he was telling me about buying used audio equipment, very high end, that is costing thousands of dollars using a curated peer-to-peer platform. Uh, So I think there is a big opportunity, especially at slightly higher end products, to have this curated peer-to-peer model. And I, I would totally agree. And, you know, for entrepreneurs, depending on what stage you're at, um, you know, we typically, I think, entrepreneurs thought about, for example, funding our businesses through larger banks. And we thought, you know, you go down a pecking order of, of, you know, Chase and Citibank and the larger banks. And if you got frustrated and couldn't break through the barriers there, you went to smaller banks, right? And you thought about local market banks. Or then after that, community banks or credit unions. It's the same exists there, right? You don't have to just do a Fund Me Now campaign. You can go to peer-to-peer networks that exist to get all kinds of fundings, whether it's VC, private, etc. There are peer-to-peer networks. The second thing the professor was mentioning is, uh, you know, curation. Uh, curation is a business, right? Don't just think about the DJs. I mean, back in the day, if you think about it, DJs were someone who supported an artist on stage. Now DJs are the, the person. They are paid to be the person who is getting paid to do everything, right? And that exists in so many different ways from clothing to uh, other different uh, venues. So your passion can be something you curate and and gain an audience. You know, when I was thinking about um, your other uh, area of expertise, supply chain management, Professor, the one thing I thought about, you know, example, when we thought about supply chain management, most of us think about logistics commercials, right? We see those big uh, conveyor belts in the background of a FedEx commercial and all those conveyor belts. We don't often... Um, I think uh, think enough, think about supply chain management relative to the digital world, for example, uh, digital distribution and all those kind of things. How would you suggest we think about it for those entrepreneurs who, first of all, it's hard to be an entrepreneur and be in business and not think digital. It, it, it's almost impossible, right? And so how should, what advice would you give relative to how you take some of the things that you, you've written about and taught about and applies supply chain methodologies and practices to the digital content environment. So even supply chain management, you are right, then when people think about it, they think about a box moving on a conveyor belt. But supply chain management has always been about three flows. What we are trying to do is we are trying to serve a customer. So the first flow when trying to serve a customer is information flow. I have to get information about my product pricing, availability to the customer and take the customer order. So the way to think about it is the first flow to be managed in supply chain management is information. Mm -hmm. The second flow to be managed is product. 
And the third flow to be managed is funds. And really, any supply chain transaction involves all three flows. So whether it is a physical product or a digital product, all three flows matter. The only difference between a physical and a digital product is in a digital product, even the product flow happens to be digital. Mm. And so what you need to really think about is where do I have opportunity? Because opportunity could be on the information side. So let's again take Amazon. First, it's giving you efficiencies on information because it is allowing you to search across a whole variety of products Mm. easily. Second, it's giving you some efficiencies on products which are picked, packed, and shipped. So you can order three products from different areas together. And third, it is giving you efficiencies on fund collection. We Mm. only pay Amazon rather than paying every supplier whose product that we are buying. So I think even if you are in a digital setting, what you want to think about is always you are ultimately fulfilling a customer request. How can you create value through the flow of information, the product that is being produced, and the flow of funds because value Mm. can be created in all three settings. And those decisions may change based on the stage of your business. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, typically, if you think of a very early stage, you want to pick one element Mm. to create value because it's very hard to go in by creating value in all three settings. So let's take the peer-to-peer idea that we were talking about, right? So in a peer-to-peer idea, I might actually start by outsourcing all my fund flows to PayPal. Mm -hmm. Once I grow large enough, then I might say, you know, why am I paying that 8% or 12% to PayPal? Why don't I bring that in-house as well? But initially, that's too much to take on. I might have decided that my power is in curation because I really have a passion for these products. Those could be shoes, that could be apparel, that could be audio equipment. So I can actually bring in a curated version of what I think is valuable for people. So at that point, what you're primarily doing is you're really focusing on information flows for your niche audience. Now, What you have to decide at that point is, can I offer efficiencies on product flows? Because you have a decision to make in peer-to-peer. Should people be sending the product directly from seller to buyer? Or do you actually want to collect the product from all the sellers and send it yourself? Now, as you grow, the model will change. But initially, my suggestion always is pick the area where you think you can add the greatest value and start there. That's awesome. Awesome advice. So, I mean, entrepreneurs, as you think about that, you know, take a big note there, right? Early stage, you know, outsourcing often is a very smart thing to do so you can spend uh, your time on your area of passion. Otherwise, a lot of times you wind up trading off a lot of valuable time on quote unquote administrivia. Absolutely. You know, the worst case outcome is that you don't have enough time for your strength and passion because you're wasting time on areas you naturally are not as strong at. Outsource those to begin with. Yes. So before we started recording this this podcast, we were talking a little bit about education. I was telling you about one of you know my passions and and uh, what we started the Corling Solution to do. Uh, one of the things is is really uh, help the public education system, which we're very uh, passionate about and trying to again uh, lift up. 
up public education, disrupt some of the cycles we've seen uh, in terms of it not getting competency scores and such where they need to be. And you were sharing some of the stories about what you've seen in India. would love you to share that because I think there's a lot of insights there that could help us uh, in the United States. So, uh, you know, India is an area where there is a lot of variety. There is a part of society which gets a lot of education, but there's a lot of society which is completely deprived from education. To take one particular segment, if you look at North Central India in general, I think girls have been deprived education for a very long time, especially in families which are economically not so well off. Uh, so there have been variety of efforts to improve this because a lot of research has indicated in India, for example, that a mother having even a primary school education has a significant positive impact on the life outcomes for her children. This is much more so than the father having a higher level of education. So I have a friend who has set up the Pardada Pardadi Education Society. He set it up in his own hometown using his own land. And this was an area where girls did not go to school at all. And as a result, they had no opportunities in life. Now, this is a big problem, not just for those girls, but for the country as a whole, because you are essentially losing half your resources. And so he's set up a school right now which has transformed not just the lives of those girls, but the lives of the family and the whole area around. So I think, you know, education, the earlier you start, can have a huge positive impact on the lives of people. And, you know, for me as a professor, actually, that is the best part of this job, because when you teach a class, even if you end up impacting one person, that gives great sense of satisfaction. And you've been an educator now for more than 30 years. More than 30 years. What was your journey towards education? Well, you know, as a child, I spent a couple of years with my grandparents and my grandfather was a professor of chemistry and I just that's what I wanted to do. And uh, after I finished my undergrad in India, I came to the U.S., got my Ph.D., and have been a faculty member since then. Yep. And it's been, you know, it is one of the most satisfying jobs. For me, I was just fortunate I ended up here, and I absolutely love it. Clearly comes across that you love it. We, we've always enjoyed interacting with you as our class, 98 in Evanston. And I was <laughs> telling Professor, I'm, we're here in Miami, by the way, and uh, I was with... Uh, EMP 111 last night. I spoke with them and then after speaking with them, I had dinner with a few of them and they were, uh, heard them, overheard them talking about getting ready for uh, a paper they had to write two pages on uh, how one went to zero. And I said, ooh, that that, that sounds like something for, for operations management with Professor Chopra. They said, it was? Yep. That's going to be a case discussion today. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's great. That's great. When you think about, um, you know, the uh, business process flows piece, moving back to that, your current book is in its third edition. Right. And I know this book, you, you currently teaching out of that book, correct? That and my supply chain management book. OK, so mm-hmm. the business process flows book. So is a fourth edition coming soon? That will be coming. It probably will be an online edition over the last few years. Actually, I've focused more of my energy on the supply chain management where mm-hmm. the seventh edition has just come out. Gotcha. Yeah. The seventh. 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 Yeah, okay, that's right. Wow. You know, it's an area where 20 years ago, not enough attention was being paid. And right now, there's a lot of interest. So that's an area where I have, uh, uh, you know, spent most of my time over the last five to 10 years. Wow, that says a lot. On the business process one, um, 
are there beyond the P2P networks piece we talked about, the curation piece? Are there any other major uh, changes that you uh, foresee that will probably have to be uh, inserted into the, the next edition? I think this is, we were talking about it before we started uh, the show. Uh, I think if you think of successful operations, there are going to be three parts to it. Mm -hmm. One is just designing the operating system. What should the process look like? Mm -hmm. Second is uh, the management infrastructure. What metrics do I need for the process to work effectively for me to know the health of the process? But there's a third part, which arguably is even more important, which relates to mindsets and behaviors. Every process ultimately is operated by people and how people operate it plays a big role in the success. And I think we are getting to the point where a lot of industry has done a reasonable job on the first two pieces, and most of the issues lie with the third. So when I think of successful operations management, I think we need to do a lot more about mindsets and behaviors, motivations, group work, so that really the people who run the process actually own the process, improve the process, and make it better. And on the supply chain management side, you said the seventh, seventh. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is published or, or getting ready? It's to published. It's published. Mm-hmm. And what were some of the major changes to that? I would say the major changes to that uh, really are illustrated by the example of Amazon I started Got with, mm-hmm. where uh, businesses are realizing that, you know, if I can create a hybrid infrastructure, mm-hmm. so it's not that online alone is going to win. It's not that brick and mortar alone can survive. So just to give you an example, Nordstrom, the latest stores that have been, it has been opening are 3,000 square foot stores with mm-hmm. no inventory. Gotcha. They are primarily showrooms where people can go, get fitted, uh, sell decide what is best in terms of what can be selected. Mm -hmm. But then product can be brought there and customized to their needs as well. So I think uh, what we are going to see is an evolution from both sides. So far, most of the evolution has come from the online players. Mm -hmm. But I think the brick and mortar players are beginning to react. If you look at Walmart, Walmart spent almost $20 billion buying Flipkart in India. Yeah, yeah. Walmart is going to be the biggest online competitor of Amazon in India. So I think it's a very interesting space where there will be a lot of opportunity. I think for entrepreneurs in particular, uh, I feel supply chains at the higher end are ripe for disruption. Uh, You know, designer clothes have been sold in the same way for the last 50 years. I don't think that's efficient. It's full of waste. And I think that's definitely ripe for change. I'm just giving that as an example. Got it. Got it. Well, thank you for, for taking the time. I know you have uh, classes today. I know students are readily awaiting to see you soon. And uh, as we wrap up, there's always a question I love to ask folks is uh, you have a lot of people you spend time with and always uh, looking for more guests for the show. So anyone that you know that you think we should know and have on the program? Uh, well, uh, you know, the founder of the Pardada Pardadi Education Society that I suggested, Sam Singh, would be a great guest. I think uh, he uh, offers uh, ideas for entrepreneurs. He went into an area where no parent was willing to send their girl child wow. to school. Mm. And he's now at a point where there are 1,500 girls in his school and there is a waiting list to enter from the same area. Wow. He went 
at a point where he put in his own money, his own land to get things started. He is now at a point where he has immense corporate sponsorship. He has foundation supporting him. So I think it's a uh, It'll be a great story both for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. as well as for people educa- interested in education and social uplift. We very much appreciate that introduction. Thank you for being here today. Pleasure, James. Thank you. Thank you for linking up with me for another episode of The CoreLink Solution. You are informed and so you are empowered and can be accountable. Three points I picked up from the conversation. One, be thoughtful in starting your business or growing your business. Start with your strengths outsourcing all else where you can e.g. how Amazon did online and over time you can disintermediate take things back in house and gain more margin if you want to grow those capabilities. Point two as it relates to business processes be mindful of growth of the peer-to-peer platforms and the opportunities they will present. And then point three, under supply chain management, examine all three flows within your supply chain for opportunities they can present. Overall, nothing else has changed. If you find the podcast to be of value, please subscribe, rate, and review. This program is about empowering you through awareness and actionable insights in the areas of personal leadership development, entrepreneurship, and social justice, in particular, education. As you listen to these podcasts, you may have questions, hear things that are new to you, terminology, etc. for the first time. That's good. I'm here to serve. Go to our website, thecorelinksolution.com, and right below the show notes, you will see a comment section. You can ask your questions, mention challenges you face in the areas I mentioned, and even tell me other guests you'd like to hear from. Alternatively, you can do the same through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you so much for linking up, and I'll see you next episode.